1: All right, it's Sports Fix Tuesday, Election Day 2020. It's finally here. Uh, Tommy, from his fortress of solitude in lovely and beautiful and pleasant Frederick, Maryland. I am live in our studios with a sore throat, but no temperature, Tommy, because I just took it. We've got a temperature uh, taker out there, and it was 97.5, which is not 98.6, which is the old normal. I don't know if these machines are right, but I don't have a temperature, but I am... Uh, and have been starting to lose my voice a little bit, but we move on,
2: on, onward and upward, as they say, you know what? Well, th- this is the time when people get sick, that this, this is why it's one of the reasons it's going to be a hard time mm-hmm. is if you got sick, normally you probably wouldn't think much of it, mm-hmm. you know, a cold, a sniffle, uh, anything like that now everything sets, at least for me, everything raises alarms. So, uh, you know, what, what it's typically normal behavior for, for most people around this time of year, uh, now becomes panic. I'm not panicking. Well, I mean, I don't mean exactly. I don't, I'm
1: knocking on wood. As I say this, you know, this about me, I'm knocking on wood. I'm a little bit superstitious, so I don't want to certainly jinx it. I just don't get sick that much. I never have. I, it's not that I'm in great shape or I'm so healthy and I I don't get sick that often. I just don't.
2: How old are you? How old are you?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm old enough. I'm old enough. And I, and I'm, and by the way, I'm, I'm considering for the first time, uh, getting a flu shot. I am considering that. Um, I, I, my wife got one, she's gotten one in recent years and I don't know. My neighbor, my CDC neighbor just said, no, 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 you should get a flu shot. I'm like, I've never gotten a a flu shot and I've never gotten, I haven't gotten the flu in years. He's like, you should get one this year.
2: I first started getting the flu shot about seven or eight years ago. uh, And I had never had the flu ever, but I started to get it. And about three years ago after I got the flu, sure enough. After I got a flu shot, sure enough, I developed the flu.
1: Th- that's uh, what I'm
2: concerned about. But it wasn't a, it wasn't it was a very mild case. Mm. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, all the ancillary things, you know, the stomach problems, things like that. I never had any of that. Uh I had uh I was a little run down, fever. And all the other stuff. But that's the only time I ever recall ever having a flu, and I did have a flu shot.
1: Well, I've taken some Advil. My sore throat will be fine. I'm going to be fine. Okay. Everything's fine. Uh, I do want to tell you because
2: we're worried about you.
1: I want to tell you real quickly before we get the show started in earnest. Uh, about mybookie.ag because it is election day and there are odds, Tommy, there are so many prop bets on the election at mybookie.ag. I would urge you if you're looking for a place to wager on sports or anything else for that matter. Um, give my bookie a shot, mybookie.ag. First of all, is going to give you um, a bonus for signing up with them if you use my promo code, which is Kevin DC. They're going to match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand dollars your deposit. So if you put in two hundred and fifty, they're going to give you an additional two hundred and fifty dollars to play with. You can put up up to a thousand dollars, and they'll give you an extra thousand dollars to play with. You 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 have to use my um, promo code kevin dc to qualify uh for that match now the election odds and this will be uh the extent to which we will talk about the election on election day unless you want to talk about it in in, in more detail um i'm not i'm very interested in today and tonight um but i have no idea what will happen i am not i, I, I i'm not going to predict this thing tommy because I have no idea what's going on out there in the world and in our country right now today. Who knows what's going to happen? But Joe Biden is a solid, at my bookie, minus 160 favorite right now. All right? That's not an overwhelming favorite. For those of you that, that don't understand and you have always asked me, please explain it every time you give these point spreads or money lines or odds if you're betting on Joe Biden, he's the favorite. You have to wager $160 to win 100. If you're betting on Donald Trump, he is plus 120. If you wager $100, you would win 120 if he were to win the election. Now, the popular vote um, is a massive Democratic favorite, which everybody understands. The Democrats are going to—Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to win the popular vote today, like Hillary did in 2016. They are minus 650 at my bookie um, to win the popular vote. Uh, the The Republicans, the comeback on that would be plus 375. Um, that's just not going to happen. Um, <clears throat> and then they've got a lot of prop bets on the various states, um, and the states that are being watched, you know, the the, the swing states, uh, as they are, are known as. Pennsylvania is a big one, Tommy, tonight in the election. Um, a lot of people believe whoever wins Pennsylvania really has the inside track. And Biden is a minus 160 favorite in Pennsylvania, which, by the way, matches up with you know the general election odds where he is minus 160 as well so they're essentially saying if he can win Pennsylvania he wins the general election some of the other states um that are you know very important tonight like North Carolina is a big state people are really focused in on how North Carolina will swing and right now Trump is favored in North Carolina at minus 160 and Biden is plus 120 anyway all of this available at mybookie.ag. If your shop, if you've got a place and they're not I- accepting election odds, go to my bookie, get the bonus by using my promo code, Kevin DC. And you know, there's no sports tonight, right? Are there any games tonight? I don't think there are any games. Are there any college football games Tuesday night? No baseball, no basketball, no hockey. Yeah. The only thing you can bet on today, Tommy is the election. Yeah. You know, could get exciting anyway. Uh, do you ever do you ever prediction on the election? No,
2: I I have no prediction. Uh, and when in the days when I was a news reporter, this was typically the most exciting day of the year—election day. In a newsroom was a very exciting place to be, and uh, I'm going to give you just one election story that is not very exciting and not very interesting, but just shows you how smart I am. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I was covering Western Maryland for the Baltimore Sun, I think it was 1990. And Ron Young was the mayor of Frederick. And he had been mayor for three terms. Very popular, powerful mayor. Okay. And uh, he was running against sort of like an accountant, to a bookkeeper type guy with not a lot of personality named Paul Gordon as a Republican. And uh, you know, I remember asking around and 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 just getting a feel as to how the election was going. And the night of the election, because Frederick is farther out from Baltimore, I had to file my story early. You know, before we really knew who won. Right. Uh, and you know, they were saying down at the paper, well, you know, Ron, you no know, this guy's not going to beat Ron Young. I think you're you're safe if you write that, you know, with votes coming in, it looked like Ron Young uh, would would get another term as mayor. And I said, you know, I don't think so. I said, you know, based on what I'm hearing, he's going to get beat, this other guy's going to win, and they kind of dismissed it. So I said, look, here's what I'll do. I'll write a story as if Ron Young won, and I'll write a story as if the other guy, Paul Gordon, won. Right. And then at the last minute, you can make the decision if you've got an idea, if the results are in, as to which one is right. And sure enough, Paul Gordon won. So they, they ran the other story. But they wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for me. Right. So that's 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 my best election story. Otherwise, it's all blur.
1: <laughs> it's all a blur. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is uh, it's a wild day in our country today. I don't know. You know, I'm sure in 1968, this country was... Um, on edge to a certain degree. It certainly was in the summer leading into the fall of 1968. Um, obviously, I mean, you were around. I wasn't for the election during the Civil War um, when this country was uh, fighting North versus South. Um, and uh, the country's been in, in very uh, tenuous uh, situations, in the past. And somehow we've always gotten through it. Uh, You know,
2: I, I like, I always tell people, you know, this country went through a time where the president and the vice president, neither of them were elected and everybody in the white house, except the president went to jail and it there was no coup. There was no overthrow of the government. It just kept going.
1: Uh, that is true. Um, do you know, um, that I'm just looking through this my bookie site. They've got the 2024 odds already. Do you know who the favorite, the co-favorite to be the president in 2024 is with Joe Biden? Because they've got Joe Biden here. Joe Biden obviously could run for re-election if he was the president, or he could run again if he wasn't. Joe Biden is plus 300 in the 2024 presidential election, and he is co-favorites.
2: Mayor Pete. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'll I'll give you his odds in in a, in a moment. Um, he is a co-favorite with Alexandria ocasio Cortez. Wow, yeah, that's a big wow. In fact, yeah. I, I'm looking. You know, Nikki Haley's not listed on here. I think I think the Republican ticket in 2024. Is Nikki Haley and probably Pompeo? That that would be my guess in twenty twenty four. Right now, it it depends
2: Um, if he's out of jail by then or not. uh,
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know if he's going to jail. Um, She's certainly not. Um, But uh, the Republicans that are on this list are uh, Ted Cruz, Mm -hmm. uh, Tom Cotton, uh, Ivanka Trump, Kanye West. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um and um and that appears to be it uh the Democrats are favored are the heavy favorites to win the 2024 presidential election on mybookie.ag. anyway fun to, to look at uh, all of the state by state uh, picks too especially some of the key states um you know I was just I, I was just scrolling through here Maryland I mean, You know, they haven't voted Republican since Reagan in 84, you know, the landslide, the the Reagan 84 election, right, was the only election. um, Well, wait a minute. Mondale won one state in a in, in 72. Right. He won Minnesota, his home state.
2: Am I right about that? Mondale didn't run in 72.
1: McGovern. Uh, I'm sorry, McGovern. George McGovern. Yeah. Mondale, yeah. Mondale in 84 also only won. Are both of those elections one-state elections? Because Mondale won Minnesota, and that was it in 84. And that's the last time Maryland voted for a Republican in a general election. But was McGovern the same thing, Tommy? Uh,
2: I don't recall. McGovern was the first. That was the first election I ever voted. Presidential election was 72.
1: Uh McGovern won seventeen electoral votes. He won DC. Uh he won DC's one electoral vote, and it would appear as if he got what about Bush in eighty eight? Well Bush in, in eighty eight against Dukakis was um, was not a a landslide win. Duka- Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, it was a big win, but it wasn't a you know, Dukakis won states. Dukakis won Massachusetts. Dukakis, Dukakis, I guarantee you, won you know some of the real uh, liberal states, whether they were Minnesota or you know Washington or or Oregon, some of those states. I'm pulling it up right now. Hold on. Dukakis, it was four twenty-six to one eleven. You're right. It was yeah. it, it was a landslide was, win. Yeah, it
2: was a landslide.
1: Um, but he it's won. The, it's the
2: last time anyone ever won over four hundred. He won five, in, six, in seven, college.
1: eight, nine. He won nine states. He won it's his home state of Massachusetts. So ten states. A, he won ten states. He that's won the landslide. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, Massachusetts, Connecticut, um, uh, Rhode Island, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Iowa, Washington, Oregon. So I got some of them right uh, for Dukakis in uh, in 88. There you go. And, of course, the 92 election was the very famous election where Ross Perot made a huge um, difference Yes, in the popular vote. Certainly, Bill Clinton winning that election, um, but winning that election with, if I recall, like 42% of the popular 40, 43%, vote. 43%, I think. Was it 43 Okay. And yeah. what did, what did Perot get?
2: 16%? Something like that. Yeah. or 13, something like that. Right. Of the popular vote.
1: <clears throat> okay. Um, anyway, fascinating day, uh, in our country, um, cities, major cities boarding up, waiting for the absolute worst. If he pulls an upset, they are ready, um, for, uh, what could be, uh, you know, hope, hopefully not, hopefully not, um, uh, unrest. Um, I don't know. I don't have a prediction on this thing, Tommy. Last time I did predict Hillary would win and Cooley and I were doing the show and Cooley, I swear to God, the day of the election said, Trump's going to win this election. And I said, why? And he said, because everywhere I drive, all I see is Trump signs. (laughs) That that was basically his theory in Northern Virginia, where he lived way out in Loudoun County. And, you know, he had been out West. You know, in Wyoming and, and places like that, and he's just like, I don't know. I think people aren't admitting, and that was his th- that was his rationale too. It was really interesting. He said, I don't think people are admitting that they're going to vote for Trump. That was the, on the day of the election, so he picked him anyway. Uh, MyBookie.ag use my promo code Kevin DC. That was a long spot for my bookie, but I really want you. If you're interested in betting and tread lightly, it's not for everybody, and you don't have a place. My bookie is a safe place to wager you'll get paid if you win and it's a fair setup plus you're getting a great deal um, to get uh those dollars uh your investment your deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand all right i did a twitter poll earlier today
2: before you get started with the business yeah i have i have a housekeeping question okay uh did you ever finish watching yellowstone no no you didn't
1: no I, I watched the first three episodes and I haven't gotten back to it yet. Which should tell you that and I told you at the time I really liked it and I I was intending on getting through it, Tommy, and I just I haven't. I, I can't ex I, I don't know. It's like the last few weeks have been I, I just haven't had a lot of time to get to it. I, I I'm I'm gonna try to.
2: Well, I'd rather see you watch sneaky Pete. I know. Which is, I think, it's much more up your alley. Although Yellowstone, like I said, at some point it it, it turns into a it, it's it's like a Gambino mob war. Right. It's just unbelievable the amount of people that get killed in Montana. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, it's just stunning. But I watched this another series. It's, it's it's not it's a miniseries, seven episodes. One, you know, just and that's it. Uh, it's very popular right now on Netflix called The Queen's Gambit i think i've heard of
1: that god i just uh
2: and it's good uh it's about chess but uh very intense uh it's about this female chess player and it's based on a story by walter tevis walter tevis is the guy who wrote the book the hustler which they made into a movie with paul newman paul newman yeah Right. I think you would like The Queen's Gambit. It's seven episodes. The
1: mo- It's about chess, the game of chess? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Are you
2: a chess but player? It, I mean, no. I've played chess. I know how to play chess. It's funny. I learned how to play chess at my local park when I was a kid uh, from one of the counselors there at, the, at Dansbury Park in East Stroudsburg. Hmm. That's how I played chess. I learned. And we played all summer. So I know how to play I taught my kids how to play chess but it's not a big game for although Although my wife and I are talking about starting to play after watching the series.
1: Well, it's funny because at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things I, I, I did play chess when I was a kid, but I had not played in years. That's not true. Every once in a while, like, I don't know, you're on vacation and you're with people, you know, friends and somebody has a chessboard and you end up playing. But it's not like I'm, I, I'm really good or an expert or anything. But when I was young, especially in elementary school, I remember it was a big deal and there were a couple of friends of mine who were really into it so I learned how to play when I was in elementary school and during the beginning of the pandemic one of my boys said will you teach me how to play chess and I taught him and so I don't know for a couple of weeks there we were playing a game every you know other day um and it is a great game I enjoy it but uh, it's it's something I got away from but
2: um I'm not cut out for chess. It requires a certain type of mental capacity that I seem to lack.
1: I don't think you would lack it.
2: No, no, I don't have the patience, or the patience well, for the, analytical pa- thinking.
1: Well, yeah, patience is something you don't have. That's true. No, and no. this game can be really a test of patience. Yeah, and if you're yeah, really yeah. a good player, it takes you, you beyond anal beyond analytics. It is okay. Let me go through every single move I can make here, uh, and determine yes. which of the moves I should make that would be the best strategy. And that just takes too much effort and patience for you. You're very but, but
2: I would recommend to the everybody page. the Queen's Gambit. Okay. I think people would like it.
1: All right. I You know, I think over the years I've found that once football season starts, I end up not being um, a consumer of a lot of television shows or movies. But once it is over, then I start to get into all of that stuff. And I started Yellowstone basically, I mean, it's two months ago that I told okay. you, hey, I watched the first three episodes of Yellowstone. And it was it was good. It was good. I mean, I. I,
2: I it's not particularly good, but
1: yeah. it's compelling. Well, if, first of all, that's a different, you know, way of of describing it and presenting it than you did the, the first time. You were like, "You're going to love it. You're going to really love Yellowstone." I don't
2: think I ever said it was
1: good. Yes, you did. No. Yes, you did. You no. said it was good. Why would I have no. watched it? Other people said it was good. I'm not going to say you were the only one, but I I pretty much remember you were the first one to tell me that.
2: Yeah, I don't think I ever said it was good. Okay, whatever. I said it was. You it said was Costner was good.
1: You said Costner was really good. Yeah,
2: but I like Costner and everything. Okay,
1: um, so I put a um, an election day ballot out on my Twitter this morning, and I took calls on the following question: All Right on the ballot today for Washington football fans, your choice: six and ten, and the playoffs were 5-11 and 11 and a top-five pick. You have to vote for one. 6-10 and 10 in the playoffs, 5-11 and 11 and a top-five pick. And as of this recording of the podcast, we've got 2,500 votes in so far, and 58.6% say, say they'd rather have the top-five pick and not make the playoffs as a 6-10 and 10 team.
2: Well, your <clears throat> listeners are smart, then.
1: No, they're not. That's not yes. my choice.
2: That be my choice.
1: I know it would be. I would have predicted that to be your choice because you don't, you know, you just want it to, you, you look for the, the path of least resistance and you look for any excuse to lose. So there you go. What's,
2: where, where's the nobility in in taking the hard road?
1: Uh, well, because it makes the, uh, the fruits of victory that much sweeter.
2: Oh, this is such <laughs> shit. <bullshit. clears
1: throat> so, here's my rationale.
2: How, if that's true, how do you explain the joy of money one gambling as opposed to money one working?
1: Uh well, first of all, money you don't win money working. Okay,
2: money you, earned you earn work. money
1: and there is a lot of satisfaction in yeah, earning money. Yeah, but
2: but do you, I mean, compared to hitting a jackpot
1: well, I mean, it's it, it's apples and oranges here.
2: Well, no, one, it's not.
1: one is it, it, the one's a is major one's a major a risk that includes a lot of drama and a lot of angst. And so, the, you know, one the other is can be rather mundane.
2: Yes, I know. But it's harder. It's a harder path.
1: <laughs> yeah, let, let, let me make sure that everybody that has listened to this show and the, these shows that I've been involved in with Tommy or Cooley or anybody else over the years, my recommendation is to work hard and earn it, not think you can walk into a casino and win it. Because the odds are stacked against you, and you will end up in the streets begging for money so that I'm you can buy yourself a roast that beef I'm sandwich
2: saying this notion of the harder road being m- no. a more satis- satisfying it's not okay. it 's a fairy tale
1: okay, so maybe that 's the wrong way to describe it. Let me tell you why i think <clears throat> i well not think that I absolutely didn 't even give it much thought. I would take six and ten in the playoffs. Um first of all last year I was very much an advocate of losing to, playing well but losing to the Eagles and the Giants at the end of the year to make sure that they had a chance to draft Chase Young that's different because they weren't going anywhere. They couldn't go to the playoffs. There was a regime change that more likely than not they were on the verge of of making, and it was, you know, I I rooted for Dwayne Haskins to look good, the team to play well, but lose to the Giants, damn it, because you don't want to have to face Chase Young the next 10 years. You want him on your team. Um, But the regime change has been made. The culture change, we hope, is underway. The young players that are here are going to be important for them if they are ever going to win. They have a chance to play meaningful games. I think there's a lot of value that comes out of playing meaningful games in November and December versus what we're used to here, which is a franchise that plays, you know, Complete meaningless games at the end of most years, and I think guys like Montez Sweat and Chase Young and Deron Payne and and Cole Holcomb and 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 all the young players that are playing right now would benefit significantly by being in the hunt and competing and then achieving it and then potentially playing in a playoff game in January. I absolutely think there would be huge benefit in that. Now, five and 11, first of all, you know, what I'm saying is that you would end up with the top five pick. We know how the draft is. It's a crap shoot. Justin Jefferson may have been the best wide receiver taken in the draft this year. He went 22nd overall to Minnesota. Have you watched T. Higgins in Cincinnati? <clears throat> he went in the second round. We know that you can find players later in the draft. I want this team to compete. I actually see the arrow is pointing upward. I made this analogy with you the other day, comparing it a little bit to Marty's team in 2001. I see some similarities, and I'd like to see them play really good football and be in the hunt and then actually make the postseason. I'd much prefer, much prefer that.
2: Well, I can tell you haven't given this much thought because, for one thing, they have played – In meaningful games in December in recent years 2016
1: 2016 yeah
2: so so they have done that and it's been an exercise in futility the second thing is did you want them to trade Ryan Kerrigan at the trading deadline
1: I absolutely want them to trade Ryan Kerrigan at the
2: trade deadline did you want them to trade Dwayne Haskins
1: if they're not, if if they've given up on him, which I believe they have, I absolutely would like to see him trade Dwayne Haskins if anybody's interested in Dwayne. If Haskins.
2: Landon Collins had been healthy, would you want to have seen them trade him? Them?
1: Um, Cooley felt like they should. Uh, I would have probably been against that. Uh, depending on, I'd have to know what you could get back for him. I actually thought I, I think Landon Collins has talent and could be a part of something. If they're ever good, so I would. So have been, you're yeah.
2: in favor of a talent dump for more draft picks, but you want them to make the playoffs. Well,
1: it's not a talent dump. You're you're trading players that aren't really contributing that much anyway, and aren't going to be on your roster next year. I'm not advocating that they trade Chase Young or Deron well, Payne or that. Terry but, McLaurin. But of course, they're yeah. not
2: going to trade players who are going to be on their roster next year, right? But but you know, I mean, this is this is. Uh, very subjective that they're not contributing Ryan how many sacks is Ryan Carrigan having? he's got four sacks he's he's got more than Chase Young
1: yeah do you, okay th- do you think he's contributing more than Chase Young
2: no okay but good. he's contributing so that that's not th- I mean you're, you're talking about both sides of your mouth no I'm not yeah let's no I'm yes, not you are no I'm yes, not you are
1: But you are. First of all, the way you described it, you could make the case that I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but that would assume that I'm trading players that are really going to be significant and contribute – to uh, the, the playoff run which I would not do I would not trade players that I think would be significant towards a playoff run but you're also Who's making your a, you're, also, you're also you're also making your a bi- you're also making a big assumption that they're not trading a player for a a, a player that could contribute.
2: Oh, yeah. That's okay, so just remember yeah. that. Yeah, um, that's a big assumption.
1: Uh, no, I mean, of co- I absolutely want them to be sellers of players that aren't significant contributors and won't be on this team next year. Absolutely. Do I think it's going to happen? Not Ryan Kerrigan, Tommy. There's no way the owner's going to let them trade Ryan Kerrigan I know and his golf I know tournament that. and his but, but, uh, you know jersey you, you, you know you uh, 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 retirement uh, year. That retirement year, he's already thinking up ways to to have Ryan Kerrigan in his retirement uh, year here make money off of that. You want to prove to me that you've become a real football organization? Trade Ryan Kerrigan today, and that would prove to me they are becoming a real football organization. I would love to see it just so it would confirm to me, at least for the moment, that Dan Snyder is not pulling the strings. That Ron Rivera said, hey, we got a conditional sixth. You know, we got Cameron Curl in the seventh. We got Jimmy Moreland in the seventh. We got Cole Holcomb in the fifth. We got a conditional sixth rounder. This is a good, a good for a guy who really, if you watch the tape in the limited snaps, isn't overly impressive in Ryan Kerrigan.
2: Well, I mean, you're, you're I just think you're, you're not being honest with yourself if you say you can do both. What do you mean? You can't. What do you mean? You can, of course you can. No, you can't. What do you mean you can't? Why we can't declare that making the playoffs is more important, and then to, and in the same sentence, you want to trade the talent that's going to help you make the playoffs.
1: It's not going to help you make the playoffs. It's. Not. I'm not advocating and you, and trading you know, trading players how. that are going to help you make the playoffs.
2: And you know this how? If Chase Young gets hurt, uh, you know this how?
1: If Chase Young gets hurt, they're not going to make the playoffs
2: really he's had that kind of an impact
1: absolutely oh okay yeah he okay. is he is already through the games he has played a dominant player dominant and if they lose him they're not going to make the playoffs Okay.
2: Okay. Let's say Montez Sweat gets hurt on the other side.
1: Yeah, they'd be that. Also, would add oh to real God. problems of them making the postseason. You just took their two best players. He, no, I, I said, pain said, and said, forget sweat, forget are Chase their three Young. best players.
2: I said forget Chase Young. now yeah. we're on Montez Sweat. Yeah, well, he's We've one of their three best with. players,
1: so it would certainly impact their ability to make the playoffs. He's certainly one of their best five players.
2: And you can replace him with Ryan Kerrigan. No, you can't now. No, you I'd
1: him. rather replace him with James Smith-Williams. I'd rather replace him with somebody else. Absolutely. A hundred percent. You're
2: not, not going to be honest about this. I, I, you know how
1: it. I feel. I'm not a big Ryan Kerrigan fan. I like him. I think he's been a really good player. I don't think he's a good player anymore. And if you can get a conditional sixth rounder for him, you trade him. Yeah, absolutely. Trade him. He can come back for you know Ring of Honor Day. He can come back teams for his golf tournament. Are,
2: teams that are <clears> on a playoff run do not do that.
1: Do not do what?
2: Do not trade their talent.
1: Uh, that's not true. They they teams who are in the playoff hunt will will c- can be sellers of players that aren't contributors for picks that they they get in the future.
2: He's not not a contributor. That's bullshit.
1: I don't think he's much of a contributor. I don't. And clearly, clearly, Tommy, the snap count indicates they don't think he is either. He's got 23 snaps in the last two games. Has he been productive on the snaps? Yeah, but if you watch the tape, he's fallen into some of that stuff too. Uh, Look, Ryan Kerrigan's been a nice player for them. He's never been an elite player. Ryan Kerrigan's far from even a a productive player at this point in his career. Now, as a backup for a a contending team where they're going to put him in there and say, 4-3 defensive end, we're we're, hurting. are contending
2: for a playoff spot.
1: Look, Tommy, I don't even think anybody would give up anything for Ryan Kerrigan, so I think it's a moot point. I also don't think. You
2: are contending for a playoff spot. You're a contending team, and you're going to trade him.
1: Okay not all contending teams are one in the same. Okay. Let's, let's inject some nuance into this conversation, please. First of all, I want them to try to make the playoffs. I want them to move forward being a competitive team. And I would prefer, and I would prefer six and 10 over five and 11 and a miss. I would prefer six and 10 in the playoffs over a miss at five and 11. At the same time, Uh, I am not going to pass on selling players who aren't contributors, aren't big contributors at all to my team now, and aren't going to be on my team next year if anybody's interested.
2: I'll grant you that. You can't do both. You can't say you're in favor of both. Yes, you, well, can. you can. yes, you can. Of course, I you just can did. Can because you just did. Yeah, right. But it do, it doesn't have to make sense.
1: Well, it absolutely makes sense to some people. It doesn't have to make sense to others. It clearly doesn't make sense to you. You're you're missing the nuance here.
2: I, I and you're also do. You know, you're you know, also that nuance that that hidden part of, <laughs> of, of, of the equation. Yeah. You know, I just like the dog. You don't have You know what? You don't have the patience for it. it. You don't have
1: the I, patience I for it.
2: I know, but you, know, you do.
1: Yeah, you don't have you do not have the refinement and the and the in and the understanding of nuance and subtlety. You're just way too disheveled and impatient a person. That's it. I'm a dummy. <laughs> You're not a dummy. I didn't say you were a dummy, but you don't have the patience for exploring anything outside of the realm of black and white. Ah, uh, there's some gray there. The gray is, yeah, I would I would be a seller of players that aren't going to be on my team next year and aren't really, according to the coaching staff and snap counts, big contributors on the field. Now, do you want to take Ron Rivera's description of, of Ryan Kerrigan being this great locker room guy and say that would be valuable to the playoff push? Oh, okay. But I'm sick of locker room guys like Alex Smith and Ryan Kerrigan. I don't want, they're not helping me win games. I need to establish a culture of winning. You know, what would help is playing in a playoff game. Do you agree that if you play in a playoff game, that that is the beginning of like, you want your culture to include playing playoff games. So why not
2: start this year? Listen, Kevin, if you do the math, of course you have to make the playoffs in order to to move in the playoffs, in order to play in a championship game, of course, but it hasn't helped this organization in twenty years.
1: No, what I'm saying though is, forget the championship thing. If
2: part no, of I'm saying you know, you're saying yeah, in order for to, to build a culture, you want your team to make the playoffs. Well, that's simple math, Kevin. Of course, but but in this case, in this situation, in this year, it's meaningless.
1: It's not meaningless, It's and that's my point, is that with a young team, with the arrow especially on defense pointed upward with a bunch of young players and a new coaching staff trying to establish a culture of winning and competing and contending, I don't care how miserable the division is. The bottom line is if you're playing, let's just say, the Panthers on December 27th in a game that you have to win to 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 continue to keep your playoff hopes alive, that's better than playing the Panthers and hoping to lose the game to improve your draft position. I don't. That's fine. Last year, with people who weren't going to be back and a whole regime change, and you were three and twelve, three and eleven. Whenever you were playing that game, if they are sitting there and they are, let's just say five and nine. And by winning one of their final two games, they can qualify for the postseason. I want them to play in those games. I want them to feel the, 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 the importance of playing in those games and get used to it rather than just playing out the string. Play for stakes versus play out the string. The, the former is better for the long term and for the
2: culture. A 6-10 and 10 playoff team is a delusion. It will have no meaning whatsoever. Totally Plus, disagree. In that Carolina game, yeah. I'll give you some nuance. The guy who wins the game <laughs> for you, who sacks the quarterback, <laughs> causing him to fumble, is Ryan Kerrigan.
1: <laughs> oh, Ryan Kerrigan is going to. some
2: nuance for you.
1: Ryan Kerrigan's going to make the big play against Teddy Bridgewater, or is he, yes. he going to be playing for the Panthers and sacking Kyle Allen? <laughs> Which one is it? No, I I don't like you. You can talk me out of some things every once in a while. You're not talking me out of this one. I don't care if it's six and ten. You know what? I don't give a shit if it ends up being five and eleven. You know, there's still a chance four and twelve could win the division. I think, Um, but I am absolutely um, wanting this to continue to be a competitive and then a contending for a playoff spot um, season. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, I wanted to mention one other um, thing on this because I got a lot of questions about this on the show this morning. People saying and tweeting to me, "Look, I'd much rather be the six and ten and playoff team because there's not that much difference in draft pos- position between six and ten and five and eleven, which is you know a rational, reasonable uh, assumption. But that's not the way the draft works. The draft works with taking your non playoff teams, of which there will be 18, and those teams get picks one through 18, okay, based on record. Then you take your 14 playoff teams, and for the remaining 14 selections of the first round, you then do it by record. So if Washington qualified for the postseason at six and 10, they couldn't pick any earlier than 19th. So just so everybody understands that. Um, and by the way, if they did qualify for the postseason at 6 and 10, they would be picking 19th. They would be the first playoff team to pick because they'd obviously have the worst record of the playoff teams unless they got to the Super Bowl and then it changes. Then you got to have a bottom, bottom two pick. But um, I wanted to mention two other things about this. Number one is this. Um, Ron Rivera at, at, at Carolina – did one thing consistently and that is his team's improved during the course of the year his december record in the regular season at carolina was 24 and 12 remember who the you know the other coach we had for a, a long period of time that was his teams were much better at the end of the year than they were early in the year that was joe jackson gibbs that was a, a constant during the Joe Gibbs era of them playing their best football at the end of the year. And I think one of the reasons Rivera talks about that 2014 season so much is that they were playing their best football at the end of the year, even though they were 3-8-1. and one. They won a division at 7-8-1. and one. They won a playoff game and then went to Seattle, the number one seed, and had Seattle on the ropes in the second half and so he's remembering that i'm not suggesting that that's going to happen i think if they got to the postseason and played the saints at home as a four seed versus a five seed they they would lose that game you know but who knows what it's going to look like in january i'm just pointing out that rivera's you know one of rivera's constants in carolina was playing their best football at the end of the year you're right second absolutely secondly on the draft choice we keep forgetting this. And I think you may have brought it up before anybody else with me anyway. And somebody reminded me of this while I was taking calls on the radio show this morning. They may not have a first round pick next year. Once this Beth Wilkinson investigation is over, we don't know what it will lead to. It certainly is possible that the organization, based on the findings could be fined and could be docked draft choices
2: yes, it is it is possible
1: so just remember that
2: now that's some nuance you got there
1: maybe. <laughs> you don't <laughs> have
2: you don't have the patience would be for it, in nuance there with that one
1: um. All right. Uh, a few things, too, to get to on the show. Um, Jack Del Rio tweeted something out. I don't know if you saw this, but we have to talk about that. Adam Schefter had a very interesting report about the Ryan Kerrigan possibilities for a trade on Sunday that I want to ask you about, because I thought it was an odd way to write a story. Um Bill Belichick is making excuses in New England for a team that's pretty much dead. And I do want to talk about the game last night because it was a controversial ending. We'll do all of that and more right after this word from one of our sponsors.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: A hodgepodge, if you will, of things to touch on uh, the rest of the, the show here. Um, I'm just going to hit you with one after another. You ready?
2: Let, him at, let me at him.
1: All right, let's start with Jack Del Rio. Um, Jack Del Rio, your, your favorite. What, what's your nickname for Del Rio? I forget. Voodoo,
2: ja- Voodoo Jack.
1: Voodoo Jack. So um, Jack Del Rio, um, oh my God, there's no way that, that he took this tweet down. Are you serious? Did he take this tweet down?
2: Did he really, the one responding to Brian Baldinger? Yeah. He did not. And some of the crap that he's left up there, and he took that down? I
1: just noticed this. Hold on here. No. Um, Well, he didn't take the tweet down completely. What he did take down was what he was retweeting. So I think he attempted to take it down, but his response... Um, as he retweeted, is still there. So let me tell everybody what I'm talking about. Um, Brian Baldinger, who played in the NFL and has been a media member for a while, I don't even know who he's working with now. Does he call games for Fox? I think he may. I, I, he, You know, he's a really nice guy because there was this show that I used to do Ten years ago, when you and I were doing a show, for about two or three years, I did this um, ESPN U show, which had an NFL thing. And it there was this other, like, um, Mid-Atlantic Networks something show that I did with Baldinger, like, once a week for, like, two years. A- anyway, to make a long story short, Baldinger, after the Giants game last night, said that um, uh, said that the Giants have the best defense... In the NFC, NFC East, and it's not close through the first half of 2020. By the way, I do think the Giants have a pretty good defense. I really do. And I, their one in seven mark is misleading because they they play harder and they play better than that. And we'll have a conversation about Daniel Jones here in a moment. Um, but he tweeted that out, in Jack Del Rio, your defensive coordinator, retweeted it. And 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 put an emoji with a magnifying glass over one eye and said, Love you, Baldy, as in Baldinger, but It's still here. Dot 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 dot. It's that that response is there. What he was retweeting is not there anymore. Don't you see that? Go to Del Rio's. Uh, are you on Del Rio's t- Twitter page? Y- yes. Okay. So he doesn't ball. What he was retweeting isn't there. Oh, now it is.
2: Yeah, well, it's there. Okay, has well, it, there.
1: It's it wasn't there. there for a second. Whatever. Uh, well, you
2: know, I mean, you gotta
1: have patience. <laughs> I gotta have patience. It really wasn't, Tommy. It said it'd been. Uh, it said it, it. It was down or deleted. What he had retweeted.
2: I I, I believe you, Kevin.
1: (laughs) Maybe he just took it down. Maybe he took it down and then he put it back up when he realized that he couldn't take the whole thing down. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, what is it about coming here? I'm sure other fans of other teams, losing teams, you know, probably have similar gripes to the ones we have. But what is it about people who come here? Reputable people who they get here, and they're in a losing environment. The team is 2-5, and you know, Jack. All right, Jack, your team is 2-5. and Your defense is pretty good, and I think it's going to be really good by the time we get to next year and beyond. And I think it's well coached. But why would you retweet and respond to a media member saying that there's a better defense than yours in your division? And, oh, by the way, you're playing that team this weekend. Why, why would you do that? Why can't you just stay, stay off social media unless it's all benign stuff? I, I don't get it. Why, do, why does this organization just have one after another of the over-promisers and the under-deliverers? That's all we've gotten for 21 years. Big talk, mouth running, social media mouth running, and no backing it up. Like, hey, Jack, and I, uh, Tommy, I swear to God, if I had him on the show, and I've asked for him before, I would say, why would you do this? Why would you, why would you respond to somebody who's saying your defense isn't the best in the division when your team is two and fucking five? Like, seriously. I know this bothers me more than it does some of you, and I think he's a damn good coach. I do think he's a good coach. But just... Uh, love you, Baldy, but basically what he's saying is, hey, Baldy, you're wrong. We've got the best defense in the NFC East. It is great to think that way. I would never discourage him from thinking that way and internally with his team talking that way. But why would you go public by essentially saying, no, 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 the Giants don't have the best defense. We do. When you're two and five, good God. I know this really sets you off. Uh, It's just, it's not, it's such the opposite of the way I'm wired when it comes to competition. Like it's always show me, don't tell me. Okay. Prove it with your actions, not with your tweets or your words. At the end of the year, if you've got the number two defense in the league and you just got to the NFC Championship game by beating the Saints 17 to six and by beating the Seahawks 21 to seven, because your defense was dominant, I'll allow an occasional, you know, chest thump and, and 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 backslap of yourself, but not now, dude. You're two and five. You're in the worst division in football. And that defense, who cares if Brian Baldinger thinks the Giants' defense is the best in the division? Why do you need to respond to that publicly? Don't you think the Giants will look at this and say, Team, we're playing this Sunday that we just beat, that we just beat two weeks ago. He thinks their defense is better than ours. Why would you even do that? What did the Giants do against us, too, um, defensively? Well, they they turned us over twice. I know Kyle Allen had two turnovers in that game, right? And you know how many turnovers Daniel Jones had? Only one. But the defense was pretty good in that game. Uh, Oh, actually, the Giants were seven for eleven on third down. That's what I'm gonna I'm gonna respond right now to him saying the the Giants, the team you're playing, was seven for eleven on third down against your team two against your defense two weeks ago. And I'm a believer in defense
2: put voodoo jack in there too well why do they do this why well i mean this guy's nuts so
1: he's a good I mean, coach who, though. Who knows? tommy he's yeah, a I good know, coach i know
2: look i know that but he's nuts he's, he's he's mentally unstable yeah you know so uh so i mean of all the tweets this is the one that bothers you this is so
1: <laughs> well uh, look i i the political mean, stuff the political stuff, a, the political stuff a, from months ago i thought was dumb on his I kind part, of aggr-
2: I kind of agree with
1: him in a way. Oh, I do too. I think Washington's defense is better. I'm not. I'm not disputing yeah. the information. I just would rather he not say it publicly.
2: So go ahead and tweet it right now. I am as we're talking. I am and and put the hashtag voodoo jack in there. No, I'm going to do- <laughs> Go ahead. You don't have the nerve, do you? Uh,
1: he's not going to know what that means.
2: I know that, but you and I will know what it means, and and the h- hundreds of thousands of people listening to your podcast will know what it means. Hold
1: on. Hold on. I just want to get a couple of other stats from the game. Um, oh, come on. Come on. Well, they you got sc- what you need.
2: Yeah, I got what I need. You got damn right. I got what I need. You know what Richie Pettibone told us: third down is everything, baby. Yeah, that's, that's uh, where you win and uh, that's where you lose. Uh,
1: and but here's the problem: is they are really where are they right now on third down numbers? This is yeah, a, but they This is, a, this, that is this is a great podcast right now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't that day. They they weren't um, good that they day are that... 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15th <laughs> on third down in the league. So let certain... Oh, let's Hold have on. a parade. Hold on, where are the Giants on third down. Um oh, they're way they're way they're at the bottom of the league. The the, the Giants statistically are not great on defense. I, I actually think they're pretty good on defense when you watch them. I mean, you know, just in watching the game, I don't think the Giants suck defensively. And actually, in the in the traditional stat of yards allowed, they're in the top half of the league. Washington is fourth. But yeah, I'm going to send it. What did Richie used to? What did Richie
2: tell us? Uh, Richie, I mean, paraphrase basically: you win and lose on third down.
1: <clears throat> um, the Giants were... The great, yeah. the great Richie. Petit, P-E-T-I-T, B-O-N, B-O-N. Not B-O-N-E. I know um, the team's and I'm gonna I'm gonna par- say parenthetically the team's greatest defensive coordinator
2: yes we can we can agree on that
1: defensive coordinator
2: We can agree on that, babe, as Richie would say. Um
1: sh- Okay, I just sent it. <laughs> oh you boy. What? Oh
2: you're gonna you're gonna be on Voodoo Jack's list now.
1: I didn't hashtag voodoo jack. I know. Uh I mean just show me, coach. Just show me. All right. Let's go. I believe in him as a coach. I believe in this okay. defense.
2: Let's, let's switch to the game last night, yeah. uh, which I watched, uh, actually. and uh, it's a good game. It was a good game. And just watch, like you said, when you watch the Giants, you gain a, a certain impression of the Giants. Right. Okay. Based on watching both teams, who's closer to being good?
1: You mean giant, the Giants or, or, or Washington? Yes, that's a really, really good question.
2: Not statistically. I mean, just from you know, just from your eye, just from watching them play.
1: <sighs> you know what? I think Washington. Okay. But but I say that. Look, as far as this season goes, they're lost last night. They're one and seven. They're pretty much done. Okay it doesn't mean that they're not going to be competitive in games like they have been, you know, the giants have been competitive in a lot of games that they've lost. Yes, They
2: have, they've lost two or three point games. Oh my God. uh, Yeah. A number
1: of them. They lost well, they lost last night by two on a controversial call, which we'll get to. They lost to the Eagles by a point after they blew a 10 point, an 11 point lead in the fourth quarter. They had the Cowboys dead to right. Not saying much. They had the Ram. They played the Rams tough. And I remember the Chicago game in week two, they actually were pretty effective. You know, I think that it's really, really close. Obviously, the question comes down to whether or not you're a believer in Daniel Jones, because I don't know enough. I don't know enough about Joe Judge yet to know if they got the coach right. I think that's fair, right? Uh, other than they're playing very hard and they're they're a competitive team, and they've had a lot of injuries. I mean, their best player, you know, they don't have in Saquon Barkley. And last night, Devontae Freeman, who's been playing well, wasn't available. They had Alfred Morris out there last I, uh- night um and they've him. had yeah and they've had you know receivers hurt in and out uh so i don't know enough about joe judge other than other than to say that i think at this point it's been fairly impressive the 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 question can only be answered if you have a definitive opinion on daniel jones one way or the other because we don't even know who washington's quarterback is going to be
2: yeah that's 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 a big deal right there so I, mean, I think the Giants look a little bit better, but I well, can't that
1: means you're a believer in Daniel Jones.
2: But he makes it hard. He is. I mean, this could be the the NFL's turnover festival this coming Sunday between him and Kyle Allen.
1: I so so. I have been saying all year long, going back to last year, there's something about Daniel Jones. I see something in Daniel Jones. All the mistakes, I see those too. You know, it's funny. Somebody, uh, a friend of mine last night um, who I played golf with three weeks ago, and we were having this conversation on the golf course about Daniel Jones, and I said, I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I think he's going to be in this league for a long time, and I think he's got, you know, There's something to him. I, I, I think he's a playmaker. I think he's got the arm strength. I think he's got some moxie. But he's really like he's a playmaker. You know, he makes plays. Now, he's a young quarterback. He just started his 21st game. And he absolutely is making a lot of the mistakes that young quarterbacks make. And maybe this is him. And if it is him, it will be limiting for the rest of his career. If he can improve on that, there's talent there, Tommy. There's legitimate talent there. He drove that team down the field at the end there, 70 yards, and threw an absolute dime to Golden Tate for a touchdown. And then on the next play, he was late on the throw to Deion Lewis, should have been PI, we'll get to that in a moment, um, and they ended up losing on that. And he threw two back-breaking picks in the second half. And, you know, he fumbled at the – right, didn't he fumble at the end of the Eagle game, I'm pretty sure, um, late when they had a chance. So, you know, there is some – I mean, put it this way. If you told me right now that Daniel Jones was our quarterback, then I would definitively say I feel better about Washington right now than I do about the Giants because I think I feel better about Washington's defense moving forward than the Giants' defense, even though I like the Giant defense. But, yeah, the Daniel Jones thing is the, is the difference maker. Um, if you believe that the Giants look better and, and have a better future, it's because you believe in Daniel Jones. If you think that they don't, it's because you don't believe in Daniel Jones. He's a very polarizing you know, conversation. People are either, yeah, there's something there, or <laughs> you can't turn the ball over. He turns it over at, at the worst possible times.
2: Oh, I and mean the turnovers last night were, were horrific.
1: Yeah, the two the two picks were were bad picks.
2: Terrible.
1: Bad picks. The the, the two point conversion, what, what was your um impression of it? Do you think the flag should have been picked up, yes or no?
2: No, I, I I think it was pass interference.
1: Yeah, I do too. I absolutely do too. I think that there was first of all, there was it's not debatable. The Winfield Jr. contact happened not simultaneously as the referees explained to pool reporters after the game. That's inaccurate. It happened just a split second before the ball got there. He also didn't turn his head until after the contact was made. And then the ball did hit him in the back shoulder. But the contact, don't debate it, the contact it did it happen before the ball got there. Now, was it a bang-bang play? And if they hadn't called it on the field, would I have been, like, outraged? I would have said they missed it, but it wasn't the worst miss I've ever seen. But the fact that they threw the flag and called it that way meant that they, they saw what I think, you know, a lot of people saw. A lot of people are debating that, hey, you know, I just don't like to see that called. It's a bang-bang play. But nobody's really debating whether or not Deion Lewis was contacted before the ball got there because he was, which is technically interference. I I thought it should have stood. I thought the Giants should have tied the game and it would have been 25-25, here here we go to overtime. Or maybe Brady wins it on the next possession. Um, It's a good
2: football game. It was. It was better than what people expected, considering how good Tampa's been playing. And they were playing the Giants. And I don't want to get into this because we, we can do this on Thursday. But we can just, you know, since we're talking about the Giants, you know, I predicted, and I don't feel real great about this prediction, but I'm not backing off it, that this Washington football team would finish 3-13. and Right. Okay. Uh, and uh, granted, I don't feel great about that uh, based on <laughs> how bad. The, the rest of the NFC still remains to look. But if you don't beat the Giants on Sunday, then you're much closer to 3-13 than you were the, 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 this week.
1: I agree. I think it's a, you I have think it's to a be, massive game
2: <clears throat> got for to them. Beat the Giants. This has got to be one of your wins.
1: Definitely has to be. Yeah. I mean, so. it doesn't mathematically have to be, but in terms of that. whether or not, yeah. I mean, put it this way, if they lose Sunday – I'm going to feel like my 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 feeling of the last two weeks, like, hey, I think that this could be a Marty Schottenheimer kind of year. Um, it will go away. It will have been a fleeting yeah. thought. Um, yeah,
2: because because I mean, look, I mean, the the Lions are a mess, but they have a great quarterback. The Bengals are the Bengals, but they have a terrific rookie quarterback. They're going to be playing a couple of good quarterbacks. Yeah, no on doubt. this Stretch of winnable games. Yes, that the coach has declared.
1: Agreed. Um. Yeah. It's 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 a big game. It's a it's a huge game. The Giants. You know the the skins have had uh, some breaks here with the scheduling. They caught the Cowboys off a. Um, off a Monday night loss to Arizona in a short week situation, and they're catching the Giants coming off a Monday night loss to Tampa. I was actually hoping for the Giants to win last night because I think you know there could have been a bit of a letdown after a win. The, let, against, the letdown factor. Yeah, the letdown factor. Um, so I was really rooting for them to win last night. I did. I I did have. I didn't give um, the Giants out on the smell test, but I did take them last night plus twelve and a half, um, which. Uh, which was a make, uh, you know, made up for the terrible uh, Dallas finish the other night. Which was it was a bad weekend for officiating uh, all around, especially when when it comes to the to gambling, um, because that Dallas loss. Dallas was covering the whole way, and they just seemed like the right side all night until that fumble return for a touchdown. Um, so I, I wanted to um wanted to ask you about the um, Schefter stuff from the other day. D- did you follow the, the story that he wrote on Sunday um, about Ryan Kerrigan?
2: Yeah, uh, where sources say that uh, he, he has uh, told the Redskins he wants to be traded, but then other sources say he said he doesn't want to be traded, something to that effect.
1: Exactly. So I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll read you the, the two paragraphs. So, he Schefter wrote a story um, on Sunday morning about Ryan Kerrigan uh, and Ryan Kerrigan re- requesting a trade. But I want to read this to you. You and I both like Adam a lot. We had Adam on the show every week for seven years, five years, whatever it was. I can't even remember. And we got to know Adam, and I like Adam a lot. Um, And he wrote a story on Sunday that I just thought was odd. I actually had a conversation this morning with John Kime about it, and I think John was hesitant to sort of weigh in because, obviously, he works at ESPN. So the, the story was written as follows on Sunday morning. Washington football team defensive end Ryan Kerrigan has requested a trade, but Washington has told teams that it won't deal the star pass rusher, a source told ESPN second paragraph. Another source insisted to ESPN on Sunday that Kerrigan has not requested a trade. Multiple people around the NFL believe that Kerrigan values loyalty to the franchise and his family over money. I thought that was odd. You have a paragraph that says he's requested a trade per one source. And then in the next paragraph, you cite another source that says he has not requested a trade. By the way, Both it can be completely true and it probably is true that he had two different sources on this, or that he had a story and someone else at ESPN had a story. But I don't I can't recall reading a story that read headline Ryan Kerrigan has requested a trade, but then in the story the second paragraph is Ryan Kerrigan has not requested a trade. Explain
2: this one to me. I can't explain it to you. I mean it's it's very bizarre. I mean, it's, it seems like he doesn't have the story. Uh, he doesn't have the story nailed down. The story can't be both. <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah. Both things, I mean, g- is, you could is... have
1: two different sources, right, that are telling you two different things, but if that's the case, right. you don't have a story.
2: Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's very bizarre. I can't explain that.
1: Okay. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't missing something there because I made a big deal out of it, I think, yesterday on the show and then with Kime this morning, and I just thought it was odd. The only thing I could think of is that he had this story, one of the two, and then somebody else at ESPN had the opposite, but then uh, what do you do there? Like, I mean, look, you you've been a reporter. If you get a source that tells you – Uh, it's raining. And then another source tells you it's not
2: raining. You don't have a story. Right. Exactly. You can't, you can't go with it. You have to either, you have to get enough sources on, I mean, it depends on who the sources are, but you're right. You don't have a story.
1: So, um, the second part of this is something that, uh, I had a conversation with Cooley about yesterday. Cooley basically, when we were talking about this, said, Look, here's how this works because I've been the player and I've had the relationship with player agents. He said, These stories, you know, trade deadline, draft, free agency, whatever, they come from three places the team, the player, or the player's agent. And he said, I can tell you what happened with this one. Ryan Kerrigan probably wouldn't mind getting dealt. But he doesn't want the fan base to think that he wants to get dealt. So his agent put out he's requested a trade, but then also put out that he has not requested a trade. Somehow the the two messages got out there so that teams knew that Ryan Kerrigan wanted to be dealt, but at the same time, he's not the fall guy for this. It's, you know – It's, it's, he can, the irony of all this, Tommy, right, is the fan base doesn't give a shit. I I told Cooley yesterday, I said, sorry, but you've played for a team and you played for a team that has turned people off so much during the course of the last 20 years that the reaction to this story on Sunday was, oh my God, we wish Ryan the best definitely trade him to a real team, trade him to a team where he has a chance to be on a winning team and in a real organization. Like people want him to get traded because they think it would be the best thing for him. You know? So this notion that I think the owner and certainly Bruce had kind made this point to me this morning, by the way, if Bruce were still here, they would have already signed Ryan Kerrigan to a contract extension. You know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be going anywhere. Um, But it's like this notion, this delusional notion they have that people want to see Ryan Kerrigan retire as a Redskin and get some sort of big ring and some sort of, you know, farewell tour in his final year with t-shirts and events and presents brought out to midfield before his final home game. No, they don't, Dan. No, they don't, Julie and anybody else out there that believes in this stuff, and I'm not suggesting Julie does, but I'm just saying the PR department you know, over the years, maybe not now, always sort of got sucked into this whole nostalgia thing. Nobody wants nostalgia. They want you to win. And Ryan Kerrigan isn't going to be a part of your team when and if ever it starts to win big. So trade him. And the fan base wants him traded for the picks, but also because they care about him. And they'd like to see him end up in a normal place.
2: He's the ring of fame guy, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah.
1: Uh, even if he weren't, which he is. I mean, he's the all-time sack leader in franchise history. Of course he is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hopefully they'll spell his name right. <laughs> and it won't be London Flechter or Ryan, you know, Kurgan. <laughs> hopefully they'll, they'll spell the name right on that day.
2: Speaking of sacks... Did you read my uh, column that I sent
1: you? No, sorry. I can read it real quickly if you'd like me to. When did you send it to me?
2: I sent it to you last night.
1: You did? Well, I mean, last night. Okay, so I'm, I don't feel that badly. You didn't send it to me yesterday. Oh, oh, I know. The Verlin Biggs? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I didn't read it. I saw you tweet out a picture of Verlin Biggs. Here, right. here we go. I can't freaking read the story. I've already read too many this month, I guess, three days into the month. I've already read too many. How could that be? I don't know, but it won't let me do it. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You know, it's, 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 it's,
2: it's, 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 you're hopeless.
1: Tell me about Verlin Biggs. Tell me what you, tell me about your column.
2: Well, first of all, I thought it would be a good week for a little story during a bye week. Not a whole lot going on with, with the team. And Verlin Biggs name came surface last week when he was named a finalist to the black college football hall of fame uh and he went to jackson state in the early 60s and uh verlin biggs when i was doing research for uh the uh hail victory book right more than any other player players had stories and laughed and talked about verlin biggs than any other player I ever wrote about okay. washing the football, he was such a, a a colorful character, and so and so I had all these stories about Verland Biggs, uh, and uh, I I you know from Kenny Houston, from Roy Jefferson, from uh, Rod McDowell and and Dyron Talbert, and it, it, I also pointed out in there that you know people tend to talk about man and Dex, uh, Dexter Manley yeah. and Charles Mann as uh this great defensive end duo. And they were
1: McDowell and but I and would Biggs. put
2: Ron McDowell and Biggs right up with them. Hmm. I would I would put them right right up with them. Remember, I mean, they didn't count uh
1: No, they didn't, it wasn't a stat that was
2: sacks back right. then. But uh McDowell and Biggs were both like all all pros in the AFL when they played there. McDowell for Buffalo and Biggs for the Jets when uh, he played on name it's Super Bowl team. Uh, and just some of the stories that, uh, that he would do like uh, Rob McDowell told me they were playing the, uh, the giants once and Biggs was going up against this pretty good tackle named Willie Joe young uh, for the giants. And he asked before the game, he asked McDowell for a copy of his game program and McDowell saw him cutting out a picture of 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 the face of of this tackle, really <laughs> young he was going to face, and he already had one from his game program, and he taped the pictures of this guy to the top of his shoes uh-huh. before he went out to play against them. And McDowell was thinking, "This is nuts. The one thing you don't want to do is piss the guy off." Right. That you're going well. He, you know, McDowell said he thought it was unusual that during the game, usually at one point the defense events at one point during the game meet at the quarterback you know when they are rushing him at some point and he had to see Verlin all game so at halftime he goes into the locker room and Verlin is sitting there with his head in his hands and McDowell says Verlin where you been and he says this guy's killing me I, I can't get in there and he says well it's no wonder you taped his picture <laughs> to, you, to your shoes yeah. and he, just, he was just an, an offbeat crazy kind of guy who like uh kenny houston said he was the light of that team
1: did they um I, i'm i'm looking it up right now um was he on the 71 team was he traded for when george allen was he because yeah. i yeah, i know was he was a, on the 72 he came,
2: team. He came in 71 and, and retired at the end of 74
1: okay so um yeah uh yeah, there he is. Okay, seventy one. Yeah. So they traded. They traded uh, to the to the Jets. I mean, the whole defense was basically traded for. You yeah. know. Um. Uh, you know. Obviously, you had all of the Ram skins that came in in seventy one with George Allen, but um. You know, those time here that the the those are the first teams I remember. I mean, I remember but that I, that
2: that group, the Over the Hill Gang, mm-hmm. is one of the most interesting group of football players I've ever come across. I mean, ec- eclectic, political, both ways. Uh, well, yeah. I
1: mean, think about the influencers like Brig Owens and, right? I mean, Brig Owens had to be the smartest guy in the team, right?
2: Well, you had you had Ray shanty uh, who ended up being a, a
1: he ended up being a congressman, right? First state senator. Yeah.
2: Was was uh, was it real? Didn't a, John
1: very, Wilbur go to Stanford?
2: Yeah. John Wilbur was buddies with Hunter Thompson. Yeah. They were good friends. Right. They used to hang out in Hawaii and get high together. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was a crazy team. Yeah. But really, I, I know the Gibbs teams that are, are the glorious winning teams, but the Over the Hill Gang is the most interesting group of players ever wear the, the, the Burgundy and Gold.
1: Well, uniform. I mean, coached by one of the great innovators in the history of the game, George Allen. Yes. I mean, he really was. I mean, George Allen was a winner everywhere he went. He was an innovator. Um, he was certainly, you know, out there in terms of being a personality. Um, but, you know, there, like I always, whenever I think about George Allen, I think about guys like Marty Schottenheimer. Um, you know, tough guys who were really, really good coaches and won everywhere they went. And usually turned it around really quickly, but just never got over the hump in the postseason. You know, he got that team to the Super Bowl in 72. And then you listen to all the players over the years say, yeah, George, you know, pretty much he didn't let us have any fun. We were way too tight going into that Super Bowl. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, what a bunch of characters those teams had. I'm trying to think. It was Biggs and McDowell, Talbert and Brundage. Bill Brundage. Yeah. Yeah was the defensive line. And then, of course, they used Manny Sistrunk Sistrunk Sistrunk, when they went to the five-down linemen uh, against John Brockington and the Green Bay Packers in the 72 playoffs. Um, Brockington was one of the leading rushers in the league. Larry Brown was the MVP that year uh, in the league, and um, they completely shut down John Brockington and won that playoff game a week later, beat Dallas, and then went to the Super Bowl and lost to Miami 14-7. Anyway, uh, a couple other things, and then we're done for the day. and um... I just wanted to mention this. So, the 49ers are you know devastated injury wise. If anybody's following this, Garoppolo's out six weeks, could be longer because they may have to have surgery on his ankle. Um, they lost, uh, you know, arguably the best tight end in the game in George Kittle for eight weeks, um, which is pretty much the rest of the regular season. They have been the most injured team this year. I mean, they're going to play the Packers on Thursday night, you know, rematch of the NFC Championship game. And the players that dominated the Packers in the NFC Championship game, Mostert had 212 yards, Nick Bosa, you know, uh, George Kittle, uh, and Garoppolo was the quarterback. None of them are going to play in this game. Um, and yet the Packers are only two-and-a-half point favorites, Tommy. Uh, reeks a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I was thinking about the 49ers. Actually, it's up to five-and-a-half. I just I just refreshed, and it's gone from two-and-a-half to five-and-a-half. Um, so... 49ers, a big underdog um, now Thursday night. Uh, their season's on the verge of slipping away. They're four and four. And, you know, it, 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 two, two reasons I'm bringing this up. One is Washington plays San Francisco in December. And this is why you can't play the schedule game because you just don't know which team and who you're going to actually be facing by the time you get there. San Francisco could be in the midst of basically tanking out the season at that point. They're in the best division in football. Their chances now of actually going to the postseason, like here's their schedule with basically a shell of their team, Green Bay, the Saints, the Rams, and Buffalo are their next four games, so they could be four and eight by the time Washington plays them uh, so that was one reason for bringing it up. The other is this: I think Jimmy Garoppolo stinks. I think the Shanahans don't think that Garoppolo is the guy either with that great defense last year he was good enough and I think they I think everybody likes Garoppolo. I just don't think he's very good. So there are two possibilities for the 49ers when they're healthy in 2021. The first is Matt Ryan, because if Atlanta ends up in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, they're going to take Trevor Lawrence, I would think. As good as Matt Ryan is, and Matt Ryan's a good quarterback, he's a good quarterback. On a team, by the way, that could go and win the rest of their games because they're so capable like they're really really a you know a, a 2 and 6 team that could easily be 6 and 2 right now with all the crazy uh, games they've been involved in but Matt Ryan reuniting with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco makes a lot of sense to me if they if Atlanta ends up with a bottom feeding pick and decides to totally reshape its roster with a young quarterback and then the other possibility is Kirk Cousins They would have had Kirk Cousins as their quarterback before they ever traded for Jimmy Garoppolo if Dan and Bruce had traded Kirk for a first-round pick before the 2017 season. That was what was on the table for Washington to take, a first-round pick from the 49ers for Kirk Cousins, and he would have been the quarterback. They've always felt that Kirk would have been perfect for what they wanted to do there, and Garoppolo maybe not as much. Anyway, the point being is that the 49ers I bet you are going to have options and I bet you they move on from Jimmy Garoppolo
2: when this season ends. I think you're right. I think they absolutely will, uh, will probably do that. Uh it's an opportunity for them since their season is pretty much tanked and uh I mean it's no secret that they that the, you know their love for Kirk Cousins yeah. only rivaled by your love for Kirk Cousins.
1: Yep, yeah, I think they love him uh, more. You think so? Uh, you definitely. definitely. By
2: the way, I'm looking at your tweet at uh, Coach Del Rio. Yeah. Uh, there was one uh, follower who pretty much agreed with you to, that piggybacked on your tweet. And uh, after you tweeted that, there are uh, the tone of, of, of the tweets changed a little bit, just a little bit from, you know, Coach, you're right, coach you're right, coach you're right to uh basically uh you know shut up and do
1: something. So I just I just pulled it back up. That tweet, that retweet of his again is showing to me this tweet is unavailable.
2: Maybe he blocked you.
1: No, I've got the rest of his tweets.
2: Oh, I don't know, but I'm looking right at it.
1: Oh man, if he if he if he's so sensitive as to block. He me, wouldn't have
2: blocked you. No. Look, he didn't block me. He ain't going to block you. (laughs)
1: Voodoo Jack. Um, (laughs) I think he's doing a good job. I think he's doing a really good job. Uh, Last thing real quickly, and then we'll uh, move on for the day. So the NFL's proposing – actually, I was going to ask you, do you have any thoughts about Juan Soto um, being left out of the uh, National League MVP finalist list off that list? I'm
2: really surprised because those are picked by writers who should know better. You see, I think – and people dismiss that – I think throughout the public – Washington and Washington Nationals have to deal with the burden of being a team from Washington, D.C. And there's this image, we all well are are aware of it, where a lot of people don't like anything Mm -hmm. that comes out of Washington, D.C. And I think that translates to certainly the baseball team sometimes. Uh, But these are writers. They should have known better. Juan Soto is one of the top three players in baseball this year, let alone the National League.
1: The three MVP nominees were Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman,
2: and Manny Machado. Right. I'm surprised at that. Okay. And those are picked by baseball writers. Uh, The Baseball Writers Association of America, which I'm a member of, picks three writers in each – of its chapters, which I think are 24 chapters across the country, to vote for the MVP. Got it.
1: Um, Last thing is um, the NFL Competition Committee is going to propose to owners a 16-team playoff format at the end of this year. If there are lost bye weeks and because of it potentially lost Games not lost by weeks, it, potentially if there are lost games they 're going to increase the playoff field to sixteen eight per conference Now that only you know um, potentially happens if a it 's you know approved and b there are lost games what what 's happening right now is we 've had the bye weeks be able to compensate for some of the games that were postponed, specifically the games involving Tennessee early in the year um, when they had the mini-COVID uh, you know, outbreak. Um, the bye weeks start to diminish, and by the time we get to, I think, Thanksgiving weekend, there's nobody left with a bye week. Now, Mark Murphy disclosed on some virtual fan event a week and a half ago, uh, I think, the team president of the Green Bay Packers disclosed that the, the league has been told um, by Tampa that they can play a Super Bowl as late as March 7th in Tampa. So that would extend the, the season potentially by four weeks. So if you end up with teams that end up having to postpone games, you could have an extra four weeks after the regular season is scheduled to end to, to play those games. So I'm not, you know, uh, there may be a chance to finish the season beyond the scheduled date. Anyway, the point here for bringing this up is, you know, the last time there was a 16-team NFL playoff format, don't you?
2: Enlighten me, Kemosabi.
1: Nineteen. 82-83. 82-83. The strike-shortened season, the nine-game strike-shortened season. They expanded the postseason to 16 teams, eight per conference. Washington was your 8-1, and one, number one seed. Heading into January, they had to play three games, even though they're the one seed, to get to the Super Bowl. And they beat Detroit in a 1-8 matchup, and then they beat Minnesota, and then they beat the Cowboys, and then eventually the Dolphins in the Super Bowl. But they, in that year, Tommy, um, they in, in uh, January of 83, when they went to the 16-team playoff format that year in the strike-shortened season, something that would be different this time, um, back then – they just played in the one o'clock and the four o'clock window on Saturday and Sunday. So you had two games in the early window, two games in the afternoon window, and you couldn't see every playoff game because there were two games going on simultaneously, and they were, you know, sent out to the markets that you know or that you know whatever you 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 couldn't watch every playoff game this year if that were to happen. You would have either four games on Saturday starting at 12 noon, then there would be a 3:25 game and then a seven o'clock game, and then a 10:15 game. Or you might play a game on Friday night and Monday night as well, and have a double header on Sunday, uh, or tripleheader triple header on Sunday and, and, and uh, Saturday and Sunday. But I, I just I remembered that year so well. First of all, it's the most painful loss of of sports ever was the 1982 loss of the NFL for seven weeks oh that was awful just awful um especially when Washington had gotten off to a 2-0 start you know and it looked like hey this Gibbs guy he might be something you know maybe he maybe he's pretty good um (laughs) and uh because they beat Philadelphia in the opener then beat Tampa Bay in week two in the rain and then the strike came. but uh, if that were to happen, it would increase the chances even more. Of hey, maybe you get to eight and eight, and you're a wild card team. I'm kidding. Um, they're the only the only path for Washington into the postseason is by winning the division. And,
2: uh, yeah, and more teams in the playoffs means more teams that have a chance to beat you when when you play a playoff game. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: Um, That's all that means. All right. Any Anyway. Yeah, I, just, I
2: got one last thing.
1: Yeah, go ahead.
2: Uh, you a big Sean Connery fan?
1: I, I am. That was sad. Yeah. Nine, 90 yeah. years old. Pretty good run, though, yeah, right?
2: He had he had a great life. Yeah. It's mean, just the kind of life we could only dream of. Uh, he came up to uh barre hazelton up in northeastern Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm in the early seven mid seventies to film a movie with Richard Harris called the Molly Maguires. Hmm. It's a movie about uh, these uh, undercover cops that were hired to break up the mine workers union uh, when they were trying to unionize uh, up there. And he spent a lot of time up in, up in the Northeastern Pennsylvania uh, for, for that movie. Uh, that's the only thing I know about Sean Connery. That basically other than the other stuff. He was the original Bond, of course. The only Bond for me. Uh, the other ones, although Daniel Craig has been pretty. Good. He's been he's been pretty
1: good. There've been yeah. yeah, There've been a bunch of Bond movies on recently, yeah. For some reason, the first Bond I think I remember is Roger Moore, and then I forget who was on. I'm not a big Bond movie guy. I mean, I I, I remember. Neither I, am I.
2: Yeah, but I was with Sean <clears throat> Connery was was james bond when when goldfinger i think was the third one that came out and probably the biggest hit Mm -hmm. uh when that came out that was uh very considered very risque because it had the scene of this woman supposedly body painted in all gold you know uh and i remember back in these days kevin the priest would make visits to your house
1: yeah right
2: and and so i remember the priest coming to our apartment in brooklyn and sitting down and telling my parents going through a list uh, that were in in the local the catholic newspaper of movies that i shouldn't see <laughs> and i remember he said the, the goldfinger was one of them oh wow the next day, my dad took me to see Of Goldstein.
1: course. I was just going to say, once, <laughs> once the Catholics told you as a Catholic, you can't see this movie, the next day, you were going to the movie. Yes. That was pretty much the same way. You know, it's funny. You, you mentioned, um, and it just made me think for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. It's not that movie. Um, did I ever tell you to watch Molly's Game?
2: Yes. Really good.
1: Wasn't that a good movie?
2: Really good. Oh, yeah.
1: First, Absolutely. First of all, she is spectacular. Yeah. Jessica Chastain but what that, a
2: family? What a family! What a the, family! Uh, blooms are, the Blooms are the Blooms were an NFL yeah.
1: player, an Olympic yes. skier, and then you know she's running you know one of the biggest underground poker you know games um, in LA and then New York. Um, it's a true story though. The whole yeah. the whole story is a true story.
2: Oh, highly recommended. Yeah, yeah,
1: me too. I I don't know why I missed it when it came out, but it was like a year ago. I'm just sitting there and this movie's on, and I'm like, oh, I'll go back and start this thing over, and it was great. <clears throat> really good. Some good people in the movie, like uh, Costner's in it. he plays her father. Um Idris Elba's in it. Um who else? There's somebody else in it that's uh um that plays basically the um the the equivalent the the guy who who's the guy that, that who's who's the guy that plays um in Spider Man? Um who plays Peter Parker? It's Toby th- McGuire. So Toby McGuire is I think the 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 character played by um what's his face from um uh the movie with Ellen Page. God damn. Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah. The Michael Sarah char- uh, character in that movie, I think he's playing Toby Maguire. They don't say it, but you know, basically, you know, the the Michael Sarah uh uh, role in that movie, he ends up basically busting her, right? He ends yeah. up, t- t- you know, basically costing her the LA game, and then she, you know, restarts in in New York. Uh, we're not going to blow the 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 movie here for you, but I think I read that the Sarah Michael Sarah uh, character was supposed to be Toby Maguire, who was a big part of those games that Molly Bloom ran. Okay. Anyway just thought you might find that interesting um oh here it is here it is Michael Sarah was uh based on Tobey Maguire I had that okay
2: okay that's good nuance Kevin
1: good nuance that you know what maybe that's the name of the show today Either that or something else having to do with the Washington football team. Because when we put Washington football team in the title, it tends to get more downloads than when we don't. Somebody said.
2: Let's put nuance in the title.
1: Somebody once said, man, you know, every single title is like something about the football team. I'm like, yeah, um, there's a reason for that. Actually. Uh, all right. Um, we're done for the day. Uh, Tommy will be back Thursday with me. He'll have his uh, big game pick. Uh, he better pick the Giants because 3-13, if they win on Sunday, then they're going to have to lose out for him to be right about 3-13. and 13. All right. We're done um, for the day. Have a great uh, day. Rest of the day. Uh, it could be an interesting day. Tommy, we didn't preach. We didn't do much election preaching today, did we? Today? I don't think we did. All right. No.